Hey everybody, welcome to the Elm Park Rules podcast, sponsored by Blue Collar Street Food. Yesterday we managed to get a 3-0 victory at home against Derby County in our last game before Christmas. And to help me discuss yesterday's performance, I'm being joined by Dave Stevens. Hello. And I'm also being joined by Ollie Scott. Good morning. How are you both doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, actually. Um, always Sunday morning is always uh, a little bit better, a little bit more merry after a win at the Majeski, so uh, I feel very good. Perfect. So before we get into it, I just want to mention to anybody who hasn't seen yet, we are running a Liam Moore signed shirt competition over on our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Please go ahead, find us on all our social media, enter the competition. Winners being announced on Christmas Day, so good luck to anybody who does enter that. Um, obviously, follow us while you're there. We're across all social medias now, so definitely definitely a place to get your Elm Park rules fix. Um, so let's look back at yesterday's game. The team news looked yesterday like we were going to line up with another 4-4-2 with Mate lining up wide right yesterday. We saw um, the same front two again with Zhao and Bulldog, but Mate coming into play as well yesterday. And uh, did it look to you, Dave, like we were playing a 4-4-2 again, or was it more of a 4-4-3? 4-3-3 even. Uh, so I assumed a four four two when I saw the team sheet. Um, not the best at deducing these things, but uh, that's what it looked like to me. Um, but then once I saw the 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 front the front two with with Jao and Baldock, and then Mate, I just assumed he was going to be out wide, which is where I went with a four four two. Um, but to be quite honest, you could make an argument for either. <laughs> Because um, he, he certainly is the game started, Mate did seem to hug that right touchline. It definitely looked as if when we had the ball, he was pushing forwards and providing that third option in uh, in attack. And you could see that straight away within the first three or four minutes when Zhao pushed him through, pushed him through into onto goal, um, and Mate managed to win the penalty. Ollie, do you reckon it was a red card? Koku has come out and said it's a harsh red card. He don't. He thinks it's never a red card, which, uh, to me, looks um, like he's put two hands in his back. Yeah, he has. It's it's a stonewall red card. I mean, you obviously as the Derby County manager, you've got a um, you're going to come out and say when your team gets seven yellow cards and a red card, you're going to come out and say that it was a harsh red card. But uh, in my eyes, absolute stonewaller. You can't be putting two hands on someone's back ten yards from goal and expect that to not be a red card and a penalty. So I think whether it's four minutes into the game or 94 minutes into the game, it's a red. Uh, and I do think it was a correct decision. Charlie Adam stepped up, took the penalty. Pretty pretty decent penalty. Bottom corner, Dave. You were sitting behind the goal. Yeah, he pretty much hit the ball almost at me, which was uh, a great, <laughs> great view of a penalty. I had, a, I had a real nice time. Saw myself on the Quest highlights, uh, jumping up and <laughs> uh, celebrating that one. Uh, yeah, it was a great penalty. Um, I must admit, I didn't know what to expect because uh, we're Reading fans, so getting a penalty really means nothing to us. Fifty-fifty uh, <laughs> shot on whether we're going to be pleased or not. Um, but, Isn't yeah, the reason really Charlie? For set pieces 
Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we did. But, you know, we we signed Chris Martin to score goals and we signed, <laughs> you know, um, uh, Jao Virginia to uh, save shots. So, uh, yeah, the fact that it, it came off um, was fantastic. It was an excellent penalty. Um, he didn't look too bothered about it either. I think he knew exactly where he was going to put it. And, uh, yeah, uh, technique was was excellent. So speaking of Chris Martin, he came came off just after that goal, and uh, Derby Derby brought on another defender, and, and Chris Martin was was the sacrificial lamb, as it were. And Derby though looked pretty good in that first half. I thought they created a number of opportunities, even though uh, they were down to ten men. And Tom Lawrence hit the post uh, pretty much straight from the kickoff, and it was almost reminiscent of one of those games under Paul Clement where we scored and then conceded straight after do you think we looked a little bit open there ollie in the first yeah we did i think um first half was nowhere near top gear um and it's surprising when you we only when we have a man advantage to not look as on top as we should have done um and to to carve out as many chances as derby did does send um some warning spells um we definitely looked slightly nervy at times which is surprising considering you're a man up and a goal up um at home as well um but i think yeah it was important that we got in at half time and regrouped which seemed to be what happened dave do you reckon the do you reckon the reason we looked so open is because we were back in this four-man midfield and perhaps we we lacked a little bit of certain energy i would say in the center of midfield yeah, I would I would definitely say so. Um, the the overriding feeling I had in that first half was if you'd got there late, maybe got there five minutes in, and you hadn't seen the sending off, you wouldn't have guessed that we were a man up. Um, it definitely seemed like they were cutting through us quite frequently. And I think that the, the way we were set up in midfield, and again, great technique on the penalty, and did a bunch of great forward passes, but um, you have to say that little little bit of a lack of pace um, and, and movement from Adam uh, was definitely a contributing factor to that. He definitely looks better in a five-man midfield, I think. Um, unfortunately, being that you're, you're asking Renamota to almost do double the job because of Adam's immobile characteristics, I guess, is... Me, it just meant that Darnby were able to create quite a lot of chances in that first half. They obviously hit the post through Lawrence pretty much straight after that uh, after that Charlie Adam penalty. They almost scored as well just before half-time. And um, Martin Waghorn had a one-on-one, pretty good save by Raphael. The rebound went out for a goal kick, but could it have been a penalty, Ollie? Uh, I'm not too sure. I haven't. I haven't seen. I must admit, I haven't seen the replays of it. Um, my gut instinct at the t- time was no penalty. Um, but as I say, I haven't had a chance to look back at it. I do think that um, all we can take from it was it was a great save from Raphael, and he's just um, he's he's filled into the big hole left by Emmy Martinez very very well. Um, but yeah, I haven't had a chance to look back at the penalty incident. Um, I would like to say uh, I would like to say no penalty is my gut instinct. Yeah, so on on that, um, 
I felt the same way uh, when Derby fans were, like they did most of the game, cheering whenever they got anything from the ref and feeling they were yeah. hard to play. Um, I was pretty sure no penalty on the highlights. We were lucky. It it should have been a pen. Yeah, I, I have to, I kind of agree with Dave. Having seen the highlights back, I, I, at the time I thought, uh, it looks like he's kind of just fallen into Blackett there, but watched it back and I thought, mm, yeah, Blackett's kind of got away with one. And the fact that it yeah. went out for a kick was even more surprising. Um, yes. I, I'm not sure how it was a goal kick. It was either a penalty or a corner, one of the two. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a pretty fortunate end to the first half, I would suggest. Um, the second half was probably a little, a little bit easier for Reading, I would suggest. We didn't really have that many... We didn't really have that many issues with Derby in the second half, although they they tried to put Reading under pressure. It didn't really have they didn't really have as many clear cut opportunities in that second half. Um, and about ten minutes into the second half, we managed to go two 0 up. Um, but before that, John Swift came back from injury. Uh, how pleased were you to see him back on the field, Ollie? Uh, it's a delight. He is the kind of um, the the he he helps his team tick over. When John Swift has a good game, Reading have a good game. It's as simple as that. Um, his his form this season has been fantastic. Before you know, prior to August this year, we've been saying you know Swift has never hit the heights that he hit in that first half of sixteen seventeen, and that's kind of been the story of his Reading career up until now. And we've missed him these last few weeks. We really have. And it was evident he, he came on and got an assist um, within minutes of, of, of walking back onto the hallowed Majeski turf. Um, and I think he, yeah, he, he changed the game, really. We just looked so much more calm and um, just on top when he was back on the pitch. And it was fantastic to see. As you say, Swift did manage to get an assist pretty much straight away. It was a nice teamwork goal, Dave. It was. <clears throat> um, yeah, the, the build-up play was excellent. And... Uh, We'd had a number of chances in the first half where we'd taken an, an extra touch here, an extra touch there, and, and it had come to nothing. And on this occasion, uh, everything clicked into place. And uh, when the ball came out to Swift, the, the pass he puts in, watched it like 10 times already back. And it's just, it's just the technique he has when he puts a ball in that we just haven't seen something like that at this club too many times in my time following us um it was absolutely perfectly uh, played in and then credit where it's due uh, Giles finish was was just fantastic quick couldn't take any extra touches which he had done in the first half and it would have been gone again and uh puts it past uh, ben hamer which i thought was a interesting uh little aside to the game having him return to the medeski it did seem to kind of go yeah. unnoticed that he was uh, he was back at the Medeski, certainly. I'm not sure if that he must, can't can't be his first time he's played against Reading in his career, but uh, it did seem to go rather under the radar. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I haven't seen him mentioned too much, but yeah, I feel like he, he came back. I forget who with, but yeah, he's been back before. But this one, he was um, probably the first time he's been back after being involved in a Premier League winning side, I guess. So... <laughs> Um, interesting <laughs> career for him, but uh, yeah, yeah. So that's I think that's Zhao's third goal this season yeah. now for Reading. It's good to see that we've got a striker who is linking up well with Sam Baldock up front, Ollie. 
and his finisher was pretty good yesterday. But yeah, the chances that him and Bulldog were creating and the the little touches, the flicks, they were quite impressive. Yeah, they seemed they seemed really uh, in sync with each other, and it's that almost classic um, big man little man combination. But I think they're both very selfless players. Um, Bulldog is not afraid to to go chasing after the ball, and neither is Zhao. Um, and you you can hope that um, that yeah some some form of partnership can build up there, and then it's exciting when Pushkas gets back as well. Um, I think Zhao and Pushkas could really form quite a good partnership. They they complement each other very well. Um, but I thought Zhao did well yesterday. It was a very tidy finish, um, and I think uh, you know it, it will only build his confidence going into the Christmas period. Speaking of Pushkas, do you think that? he is likely to come back into the team, either of you, when he is back fit based on the based on the Bulldog partnership that they're currently seeing? Um you would like to I, I would like to think so. He um he, he we've seen flashes of brilliance. I mean his um five minute hat trick against Wigan um was was really um really good to see but he does seem like a confidence player. Um and so I think that hopefully with that in the near past, um, his confidence will be riding high, and I would quite like to see him back in the team when he get, when he gets back. Um, but saying that, if Jean Bulldog can keep up the um, performances that they have done, it will be tricky for him. Yeah, I think he's got a good path back into the team um, once he's fit again. If we're if this partnership that's currently happening continues in the same vein, um, then it's likely that he'll be reintroduced probably last 20 minutes, last 15 minutes of games. Um, and then if he, if if you've got a fit pushcast coming on against tired legs, maybe a chance that he's going to get a few goals from that. That breeds confidence for him, and then he'll probably come back into the starting lineup. I would have thought. I could certainly see him starting up, up front against Blackpool in a couple of weeks' time. Um mm. Wouldn't surprise me if we we rotate the squad a little bit for that after what is going to be a relatively busy Christmas period coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking of our other strikers, of course, Mate, although we said was playing on right, the right wing yesterday, the second half that he produced was given a lot of lot of praise online, a lot of praise in the media yesterday. That was much more of a performance that we would expect out of Yakumete based off what we were seeing last season. And there was a lot of uh, a lot of moments when it looked like he was the player that we were all hoping that he would be this season, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he's had a lot of criticism this season, and I think a lot of it has been justified. Uh, yesterday, first half... Um, he was okay. Second half, he really came into his own. Um, I think one thing that was very noticeable that um, we saw yesterday was that he was contributing defensively a lot more, which was definitely lacking um, in, in prior games. I think it was good to see that he was dropping into that that role just in front of Gunter. Mm-hmm. You definitely saw him, but it definitely looked when we didn't have the ball much more like a four four two, like a flat four four two. Um, which was good to see. Yeah, definitely was. And and not only just throwing a leg in, he was uh, getting in there, uh, tackling for that second, third ball, um, putting his putting his weight about a bit. Um, he's, he's a strong lad, but in past he's looked a little weak, which was strange. 
Um, and then, yeah, added the width when we were attacking and we'll get on to it. But his goal, the penalty, um, right in the corner. No one's saving that. Um, he also wasn't too far away with a shot in the first half as well. Um, another one that came Long very way close to where I was sitting. Yeah, a couple yeah. of so, Yeah, good game from Mason. Uh, moving on from the second goal, um, Derby did actually hit the bar as well after about 65 minutes. Their their young midfielder, um, Jason Knight, from about, I want to say it was about 25 yards. It was quite a distance. Yeah, it was a quite a distance. And although they didn't create much, if that had gone in, the game really would have swung um, back towards Derby, I think, because they, even though they were down to 10 men, it looked like they were... It still looked like it was 11 versus 11, even at that point. Um, after that, however, Charlie Adam came off. I think it must have been very shortly after that. Charlie Adam came off and, and Pele came on. And to me, after that, it felt like Reading pretty much had the, the, the dominance of the game. Um, although the game was mainly played in their half, it, it never felt like Reading were particularly under a lot of pressure, Ollie. Uh, no, it didn't. It was, um, yeah, it, it did. As as time ticked on, it felt more and more comfortable. Getting to about um, 60 minutes, there were still some nerves. Um, but then, yeah, after after the second goal um, and then after they hit the bar, it just kind of gradually subsided into, yeah, what was what looked more like a routine win against 10 men. But it took far too long for it to look like a routine win against 10 men, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's, 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 it's unusual to come away from a 3-0 performance with quite as many criticisms as we're having. Um, but uh, yeah, towards, towards the end of the game, it, it, we, did, we did look uh, the much better side. And that was good to see if it was only for a short period of time. I mean, it would have been. It, I think it would have been disappointing had Derby managed to score. They've gone. Uh, heard this on BBC Berkshire yesterday, and they've 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 had their last six games now. They haven't scored away from home in six. Lost all of them to nil. They're they're a very poor side in terms of away from home. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to get relegated this season. I think they'll probably find find themselves some results in the second half of the season. But um, how much of it yesterday, Dave, was was us playing well and how much of it was Derby giving us the game from that red card? Uh, I think the red card did change everything. Like, it settled some nerves. It, it gave us a material advantage uh, from the off. Uh, you know, an extra man and a goal um, minutes into the game uh, was good. Them losing a striker minutes into the game was good. Um, I think the fact that they still caused us problems throughout that first half um, shows that a lot of it was their wastefulness. Um, let us ride the storm. Um, combined with, as mentioned, Raphael's probably best game for us. I thought he was fantastic yesterday. Um he also, a little aside, but his uh, the whole thing this week with his uh, command of the English language after only four months. Um, Very he, impressive. In, yeah, it's, it's quite amazing. And to the point where in the first half, um, 
uh, sorry, in the second half, getting confused here, uh, when he was right in front of me, um, we were trying to make a sub and slow the game down a little bit. And the ball went out and the ball boy in front of me jumped up to get it back to him real quick. And he he says, wait, wait, I'll come get the ball. <laughs> um, and he's like calming it down. He's talking to the ball, but he's being nice. And he's just like, you know, commanding the game. But, you know, for someone that couldn't speak any English four months ago to be able to communicate to a kid like, hey, we're just going to let this one chill and, and I'll come out and get the ball. Um, I don't know. It was, it was just another part of... You know, when we had Emmy here last season, um, he was just that calm, reassuring presence. And and this was like the game where I got to see that Raphael was was providing that too. But um, yeah, the the times that they beat Raphael, um, it hit the bar or the post. And that's always a good sign for a keeper if you're beaten and it has to go to those um, extremes. And a lot of wasteful shoot, shooting from them as well did help. Um, I mean, we, we didn't play poorly, but it wasn't like we dominated and, and crushed them with a 3-0 victory. It was it was a combination of the two. Yeah, I think I'd agree. And like you say, um, I, if you haven't gone, if you haven't heard Raphael's interview yet with um, with AD Williams or with the, on the club's official site, I'd urge anybody to go and check it out. Seeing someone come over from, well, Brazil and Italy with no grasp of the English language and learning as much as he has in the last four months, it's very impressive. The guy has really dedicated himself to it. He's out there every day, pretty much, from what he said in his interview, learning English. It's, uh, it's, it's yeah, it's really good to see someone who's quite so committed to it, um, to kind of forming that, forming that language... Uh, or getting rid of that language barrier, as it were. Um, the the chances that Derby did create in the first half, Ollie, a lot of them were coming from, uh, I guess, our defence stepping up, as it were, into midfield to try and cover for the fact that we were only playing for a midfield. Uh, there, was a, there was a discussion on social media yesterday about how Charlie Adam played. Personally, on the ball, I thought he looked good, but off the ball, not so good. What do you? What did you make of his performance overall yesterday? Because I think it's a. It seems to be a little bit of a split opinion amongst fans of how he played. Yeah, it, it, it's a almost a bit of a Jacqueline Hyde because you know you got the headline of Charlie Adams scores his first goal. Also, he um, passed that he did a really nice pass to Swift um, for for Swift's assist. Um, when he, he distributed really well, sprayed the play uh, really quickly. But then I, I completely agree with you. He left the um, he left the defence vulnerable at times just by simply um, not tracking back or just not being in the right place at the right time. Sometimes slow reactions. Um, and so yeah, it was it was a mixed performance, and it was mixed as to whether he was on the ball or off the ball. Um, uh, there was some on Twitter saying he played fantastic, some saying that absolute one out of ten performance. It was quite weird to see uh, quite so contrasting uh, opinions on him. But I do think that he should have done more to protect the 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 two guys, by, the four guys behind him, sorry. Um, and yeah, he, he should have done better in terms of tracking his men and kind of shielding that four because he was that shield player um, and he didn't quite do that as well as I thought he should have done. 
would you start him on Boxing Day against QPR still, or would you uh, look to bring Swift or Pele back into the team? Um, I would look to bring Swift or Pele back, most definitely. Um, it is a busy run of Christmas fixtures. Um, we will need to rotate the squad, but yeah, you would hope with a fully fit um, set of central midfielders that Charlie Adam wouldn't be near the starting eleven. Um, so fingers crossed, um, we'll be seeing one of those two back on Boxing Day. So looking at the Boxing Day fixture, I've managed to get on a podcast here with maybe the only two people who are actually committed to going on Boxing Day at the minute. And uh, <laughs> what formation would you guys like to see if uh, if Charlie Adam is to drop out? Would you like to see us stick with this four four two formation or go back to a five three two? Or what, what what would you like to see us line up with on Boxing Day, Dave? Um, so I'm in two minds because games against QPR have never really necessarily gone the way I've wanted in the last few I've seen but um, watching them yesterday uh, against Charlton um, I would like to see us be positive and go four at the back um, just because we're at home and I think that if we if we don't take the game to them we, we might regret it uh, so yeah I think I think I'd go with the four rather than the five and then play a four in midfield as well? Um, this will depend on who's available. Um, but yes, ideally a four in midfield, um, with that being Swift or Pele rather than Adam. So Swift, Swift, Rinomoto, Rajaria and Mate, assumedly? Yeah, so. I, w- I would keep Mate in. Um, hopefully he's on a high after his performance uh, yesterday and can do more of the same. Do you make any changes in that, Ollie, or...? pretty much as uh, as David. Um no I think I think the luxury of it is that um we can quickly adapt from a 442 to a 433 if needed. Um is is comfortable on the left but is equally comfortable to slot in the midfield and then have either one of the hard working Bulldog or Zhao push out wide. Um and I, I agree with Dave it's important to be positive when we're at home. Um I think yeah the the back four does work well. Um and yeah, I would stick with I would stick with exactly that to be honest with you. Um, and it allows that flexibility between four four two and four three three when needs be. I think being positive against the QPR side as well this season, who've only kept I think it's two clean sheets this season, maybe maybe even only one. Uh, two clean sheets. They've only kept two clean sheets this season so far. You've you've got to go out and try and score against them. They aren't. They're just not very good at the back. If if we're going to mm. go out and uh, and you know, put them put them on the back foot a bit. Then I think I think you're both right. I think lining up four four two again is probably the way to go. So over the Christmas period, we've obviously got QPR on Boxing Day as we've discussed. Then we're travelling up to Preston in between Christmas and New Year on the 29th of December, followed by a game at away at Craven Cottage against Fulham. Um, so following the, the three points we got yesterday. What would you say is a, a like a realistic points target then, Chris, for Christmas then, Dave? Um, I think QPR. It's probably going to be a draw because it's usually a draw. Um, but I would think that's the one I would target for for three points uh, based on the weekend's results. Um, so I think three three from QPR, uh, one from Preston. I think they're doing okay right now and, and it's a difficult away fixture and I'm not expecting much at Fulham 
Um, they, they've been in kind of changeable mood lately, sometimes good, sometimes bad. So it's by no means a foregone conclusion, but uh, their result yesterday shows what they can do. So I think we're looking four points. Uh, where, exactly where they come from will may, may change, but I think, yeah, four points overall. Any any more optimism, Ollie, or are you? Uh... Uh, I was my my magic number was going to be five points. Um, I think if you can go through these next three games unbeaten, then <clears throat> actually that's that's quite impressive. Um, you know, Preston have had a, a relatively across the whole season they've had a good season, and Fulham as well. Um, so I think yeah, if you got two draws against them and a win from QPR, I would personally consider that a very successful Christmas period. Um, that against, would leave, against yeah against sides that could really trip you up. Yeah, I mean that would leave us with over over thirty points going into New Year, which I don't know what when the last time probably it must be the playoff season, but it hasn't hasn't been, hasn't been often in the last couple of years when we've got to no. got to New Year and had thirty points already. So yeah, that would that would leave Bowen with a relatively good uh, points per game tar, uh, points per game number okay. and. We'd have to be looking towards mid-table. You think if we get four or five points from the next three, um, and that that that's pleasing. We're currently in sixteenth place, and if we beat QPR, then we'll only be three points behind them um, after Boxing Day. So it's definitely definitely a lot to aim for for the Reading side go, coming up in the next um, coming up in the next couple of weeks. The uh, yeah, the next couple of weeks also see the new year in. And uh, Dave, I know there's a, an event going on on New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's right. Um, for the uh, Fulham game, uh, there's a group of supporters, Fulham supporters and, and some Reading as well, and a couple of neutrals, as it were, um, meeting at the Medeski at 6pm, I believe, on New Year's Eve. And they're going to walk through the night uh, from from Reading to Fulham, uh, ending there in time for the game. Um, everyone's welcome to join, apparently. Uh, I know most of you will probably have the same reaction as me, which is that the possibility of walking about 40 miles is, is a little beyond me. But uh, they, they've said that if you want to join them for the, the last little stretch from Brentford, through to uh, Craven Cottage. Uh, everyone's welcome to kind of raise that uh, awareness of, of talking through things, mental health awareness and um, preventing male suicide. So um, Johnny Hunt is a, a pretty well-known running supporter who's a big part of this. So if you follow him on Twitter, uh, there's, there's details there and, and lend your support. So um, looking forward to greeting them at the uh, <laughs> at Craven Cottage with a drink maybe uh, rather than doing the walk myself a bit too far <laughs> but yeah great cause and, and great great effort from from those that are doing it yeah fantastic effort more and uh yeah good good luck on that one guys um i think that's pretty much it for today just uh just to round round us off i just want to remind people that we've managed to release a decade review podcast hosted by paul a couple of days ago if you haven't seen that one yet check it out I, I joined Paul with Eric as well, and we went through some of the some of the best moments and some of the best matches of a decade, along with uh, worst signings and worst players. It was a pretty enjoyable forty minutes and a nice way to spend some uh, nice way to spend some downtime between now and New Year if you get get the opportunity. And uh, yes, yeah, so 
hopefully everybody will have a good Christmas. Elm Park Royals signing off here for Christmas now. We'll speak to you all afterwards. So Merry Christmas, everybody, and come on you ours. Cheers.